All right, let's do this. Musketeer Report postgame show. Xavier loses 83-71 in Sweet 16 to the Texas Longhorns. Xavier never really in this one. They had the yips early, couldn't finish around the basket, couldn't make open shots from three, and Texas's defense really smothered them from there. They never really got on track. Trailed by 17 at half, and never were able to cut into that deficit enough to make a serious run at it in the second half. They tried to switch it up defensively, tried to go zone at different times. Nothing really worked. You got to give a lot of credit to Tyrese Hunter, one of those guards for Texas in the second half. He, he kind of lit Xavier up any time the Musketeers started to get a little bit of momentum and really held them at bay. So we're going to talk about it here for as long as you guys want to go. I already see at least one request. I will take any of your calls, so go ahead and load them up. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. We can talk about the offseason ahead. We can talk about tonight's game. We can talk about the season and recapping it and talking about what was. So we'll jump right into it. Kyle has already requested in. I also see Johnny is in. If you want to get in, go ahead and hit that request button at the bottom middle part of your screen. Kyle, there I've got There we you. go. Slick Rick. Hey, this is my first call, by the way. So I'm going to leave you guys positive. Here we go. So, Muskies struggled tonight, right? We, we, we got our butts kicked. Sule wasn't on, you know, for an All-American perspective. He didn't show up until the second half of this game. And, it's, uh, and it, 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 it sucks for like four and a half games or two and a half games to have your All-American not show up. Colby, early foul trouble, stinks. Jack Nunji didn't have his touch. Jerome Hunter played good D. But you know he was he's Jerome Hunter you know he's not gonna give you 17 a game against Texas like the expectations were too high but you know I know it's it's it stinks to end on this note that is just it's sour it's it it sucks to go out without competing but I would say that I was born born a Xavier fan my father he graduated in 88 and this season was one of the most fun that I've ever had you know, Sweet 16 feels still so great. Second in the Big East. You know, we, we again, though, second in the tournament. But the season itself, like, I felt involved. And it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, I know, I know, I know a lot of people thank you and Paul on this call. But I do want to leave this as a positive of, like, I had a blast. So just, you know, shout out Xavier Nation. And shout out Sean Miller, because this, and Sean Miller, we trust. This man's the truth. Anything that this man says, any, any player this man brings in, I have faith, and it just feels so great to have faith in the program. So again, thanks to you, Rick, for everything. Shout out to the Muskies, and uh, that's pretty much all I got. And Kyle, I appreciate it. But first of all, your point about this season being fun and the participation of Xavier Nation it's a really good one. After the last few years where the conversation for the last two and a half plus months of every season was just the same thing over and over and over, and it wasn't fun at all, and it was never about the actual basketball that was being played, this season was a really nice change of pace for me. You guys were awesome on the message board. We had really fun basketball conversations during and after these games. We came on here. We talked about basketball. 
this has been great. So I totally agree with you there. And I want to talk more about some thoughts on where the program is at going forward, where Sean Miller has them at and, and what that all means. But sticking with this game a little bit, you talked about Sule Boom struggling and he really, you know, he was a first team all Big East player throughout the year. He was unbelievable for Xavier. There's nothing about that that you can take away from him. But he struggled in the NCAA tournament. That's just all there is to it. He did not show up. And really, when you look at tonight's game, I mean, Boom goes for 12 points. He was 4 of 11 from the field, 0 for 2 from beyond the arc. He had two assists and, and two turnovers. Colby Jones had 15 points. He was 7 of 15, but a couple of those, including the very last shot at the buzzer, were, I don't want to say meaningless, but somewhat meaningless shots. Uh, prior to that, you know, those last few shots that he made, he really hadn't done much, and he was shooting a very poor percentage. He did have seven rebounds and six assists, also four turnovers. And then Jack Nungy, he finished with 15 points, but he was 6 of 19 from the field, 1 of 5 from beyond the arc. He struggled to put some bunnies in early. He struggled to knock down any of those open three-point looks early. He did have 11 rebounds. And my point isn't to rip on those guys, but you are not going to have a chance to win in the NCAA tournament if your best players do not show up, if your best players do not play well. And in this game, the only guy that I think you can say really showed up was Adam Kunkel. Kunkel was 21 points on 8 of 10 shooting. He was 5 of 6 from three-point range. Second game in a row in the NCAA tournament that he knocked down five threes. I mean, Kunkel, for a guy that was playing his last games of his career, he really went out on a high note and played like it was his last opportunity to prove himself because uh, he was outstanding. Uh, but aside from him, you just really didn't get those types of performances from anybody else on the roster. I can, I completely agree. You know, like the, the way we started in the way of like the missed layups, just it, it set the tone. It was, it was hard to forget, you know, we're down like 12 to six. And it's like, Oh, we're only down six, but it's like, man, this game doesn't even feel totally in reach. But Rick, I want to leave you on one well, question, but I want to shout out my man, Adam Kunkel. He's one of my favorite Xavier players to kind of come through in the last like five, six years. You know, I'm an NKY boy myself. I got to be honest. I got to bias. But he is always there. He's always active on the floor. He talked about like ball with energy, right? And, and, and that is what this Xavier team had. And he, he left it all on the floor. And the question I'm going to leave you on is, do you think in this game that Texas showed up or we didn't. I, I clearly have a bias, but I want to know. You know, what, did this? Did, did the Muskies well, not well, show up, or did Texas really beat us? But thank you, Rick, as always. Well, let's love. stay on here, Kyle. Stay on here. Let's talk okay. about it. I, okay. I think I'll it stay on. But I think it was obviously both. What would be your take? I to be to be honest, I think it's kind of both. Like, and but but I think at the end of the day, Texas showed up. Like, like they not they not only like had like just dominated on the defensive end, but they hit threes. They hit they, they started the game tough jumper floater tough jumper. Ah, that 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 is a tough way to start as a Xavier fan. You know, you're like, oh no, they're also hitting shots. So that that's right. Well, and, and very very selective from three point range. They went seven of twelve for the game. But to your point, in the second half too. 
four or five from beyond the arc. So anytime there was like a little sliver of hope where you felt like maybe Xavier can make a run here, they, they just started to score a little bit. The game got a little up tempo for a few possessions. Then it'd be like Tyrese Hunter knocked down a long three. And there goes any shred of hope that you had. And I mean, so, so to me, and I'd like to hear some of your guys' opinion on this because I, I don't look at it the same way as a lot of the fans do. I understand that. But to me, it would be a little bit more comforting that Texas was clearly the better team. That it wasn't just like had Xavier not been so bad, they would have easily won the game. It was like, well, no, Texas looked like the much better team and Xavier didn't play well. So Xavier really had no chance in this game. In some way, I would take a little solace in that because had it been a situation where, you know, without Dylan DeSue on the floor after he got injured, Texas was ripe for the picking and Xavier just missed a couple of bunnies or they, they didn't get the calls from the refs and they end up losing that game by one. And the way this bracket had busted and it was wide open and it's anybody's tournament now, that would be even way tougher to swallow, I think, as a fan than the way this played out, where you look at it and you go, all right, tip your cap to Texas. We weren't going to beat them, even if we played well, more than likely. I think that's also – I'm with you, but there's something holding me back from, like, we could have played really well and won. And, like, the, the team that could have won the night has been there this season. I think that that's what was missing from the last, like, three, four years. It's like we've seen the team that could have beat Texas tonight, especially, you know, with their starting center out. And it, it just wasn't there for us. And so in a game like this, I, <laughs> I still think I'd rather lose a close one because it, it, it stinks to show up to the big stage. You know, there's so much press. There's so many interviews, you know, people talking about Jerome Hunter and Sule Boom and the coach and Colby Jones and you know, every, everything is just being talked about. And then to really not show up stings a little bit more for me. I get it. All right, Kyle, tell your uh, roommate to take it easy on that bong. That, that last rip sounded rough. And uh, I'll, I'll let you go with that. Thank hey, you. I'll let him know, Rick. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. All right, let's take it to, uh, I think this is our guy, Chip. Yeah, it's Chip. So you guys change your your names, and that's all I can read when you pop up. So when it says, like, Musketeer Fan 23 and 6 or Let's Go X with emojis, it, it's hard for me to tell who you are. And then you're like, oh, don't you remember me? I'm like, well, yeah, not, not when I see a weird name in the thing. But this is our guy, Chip, who always calls in. Chip, what's up? <clears throat> what up, Rick? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll I'll take the L on this one. I left Nashville. Should have stayed down there. Uh, but well, I'm, I'm definitely seeing that connection. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I think uh, to your point about you know who showed up, who didn't. I mean, we, we missed we missed some bunnies there. Um, and if we make those shots and everything stays the same, I mean, we could have been up three at halftime. So. I, I thought Xavier. I thought I thought we did come to play. We were getting good looks on the offense. We just the you know the shots just weren't falling. It kind of felt felt like that game at DePaul where we were getting good looks close to the basket and, and the ball just yeah. ball just wasn't going through. I, I did feel like there was some DePaul nature to this game. The only difference I would say is that I think Texas and their pressure and their defense had a lot more to do with Xavier's issues in this game than I think DePaul's defense did in that first matchup, if that makes sense. Like, that DePaul game, it felt like Xavier played really poorly. This game, yeah, Xavier should have made some of those shots early, but I also think they were a little sped up, and once they didn't make those shots early, 
Texas kept ramping up that pressure. It's like, to me, when you play those types of teams, you have to get them on their heels a little bit. You got to get some easy buckets on the back end of their pressure at the rim. You got to make a couple threes because they're caught up in rotations where they tried to get a steal or tried to double team you. And Xavier wasn't able to take advantage of those opportunities early. They got them. The ball movement was there. They got the looks, but the shots didn't go down. And I don't know if that's because they were sped up or because they were a little nervous because of the Sweet 16 matchup or if it was just a bad night. But I agree with you that that was a big difference in the game. And maybe it does play out differently if they're able to to get on a roll and they get five threes from Adam Kunkel in the first half like they did against Pittsburgh. I mean, I think at the end of the day, they all see the the ball fall, you know, go through the basket. I think that changes a lot of things. I think these they start to get frustrated seeing, you know, we're getting these these close looks near the basket. And and you start to it starts to get in your head. And you know, you mentioned the yips. Um yeah. And so I mean, so maybe that's what it was. Who knows? I mean, the at the end of the day, you mentioned this on the last one. As fans, you know, I got friends that were all sitting here talking about we don't even look like we belong on this stage. And I'm trying to remind them, guys. This is a team that was that won the NIT last year. They brought in one new guy, and look where we are right now. Like you mentioned it last last week, it's all gravy now. That's the great part of this, right? You look at what Sean Miller was able to do with this roster, which isn't his roster. And even though they were able to get a Sule Boom, who ended up being a godsend in the transfer portal and worked out perfectly for what they needed. I wouldn't say in any way, shape, or form that they had the roster that they wanted or an ideal roster for the way they want to play or this style. This was very much a we'll make do with what we've got type of situation and we'll go from there. Now, they have a ton of work to do this offseason, and we'll be talking a lot about that in the, the next few weeks because with the way the transfer portal era works, things start going crazy do we here. Dare start talking about Kirk Rissa? Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're already we've already been talking about that on the yeah. message board. The Absolutely. point guard from Arizona who is already in the transfer portal. He was recruited to Arizona by Sean Miller. He wasn't eligible until like the last I don't know ten games or something. It was it was even less than that. I think maybe eight or nine games of that final that freshman year where he was coached by Sean Miller at Arizona, and then that April was when Sean got fired. So the last two years he's now played under Tommy Lloyd, which. Funny enough, it's Tommy Lloyd plays the Gonzaga style of offense, which is exactly the system that Sean Miller has kind of brought to Xavier now. He's changed up what he used to do at Arizona. So the Kirk Kreese fit is interesting because it's a guy that Sean Miller recruited. It's a guy that Kirk Kreese had a lot of confidence in, was a big reason he committed to Arizona was Sean Miller. And also David Miller was, was big into the international recruiting scene, and he was the recruiting coordinator for Sean at Arizona at the time. So he's a current Xavier assistant, obviously. He has a has a connection there. And it, it's a guy who can really shoot the three at a high volume. He's a he's a polarizing player in terms of both his attitude and his style of play because he struggles <laughs> defensively, just like Sule. And um, he's he's kind of a one-trick pony. He's 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 a great passer, great distributor, and he can shoot the three. And so, I mean, you know, I, I know Arizona fans have been kind of frustrated with him because he struggled in the NCAA tournament last year while he was injured. He struggled in the NCAA tournament again this year as he was injured at the end of the year. And now that he's transferring out, I think you're seeing fans get a little bit sour, but it's definitely an interesting name. And I think it's one for Xavier fans you should definitely keep an eye on because of all those connections that we just talked about. Yeah, the connections are too deep. I think it also plays into what Sean 
wants to do, I think going forward long-term is, is playing with two point guards, you know, ball handlers on the court at the same time, especially one that can, that can shoot the three. Um, I don't know. I mean, and then it, it lets Des play off the ball, which I think we've seen him be extremely successful in that kind of swing wingman Colby Jones type of role. And we certainly don't want, I don't, I don't think we, I don't think we want to be leaning heavily on Trey green as a, you know, pure freshman point guard, uh, you know, going into the season. So I think getting somebody with a lot of experience, especially in pac 12, if we can get them, it's a, it's a no brainer. And I, I think Trey green is going to be awesome. No, and he didn't. might be able to play right away. So uh, we'll see. But even if that's the case, I still think Kirk Risa is a little bit different. And in the, in the very worst case scenario, you're getting an extra ball handler who is as experienced as any player in any point guard in college basketball, probably at this point, given that he started for two plus years at Arizona. And prior to that, he was playing professionally overseas. And this yeah. is a guy that's been through the wars. No one's saying no to that. And if, if he comes in, I think that allows Trey, because isn't Trey been playing a little bit off ball his senior year right now? So he, he has, but that's mostly because he's playing with a five star point guard and that they're both so okay, good you gotta play them together. So I mean, it really has nothing to do with his lack of point guard skills. It's everything to do with he's just on a loaded prep school roster right now. But that being said, Trey Green is such a good scorer and such a dynamic shooter from the outside that you can mix and match him with different pieces. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the the two Holloway, Mark Lyons situation, if you if you want to do something like that. Or again, worst case scenario, you've just got an, another point guard who has led the Pac-12 in assists for each of the last two seasons. So, um, I, and again, this, this has not happened yet. This is just a, a guy who has entered the transfer portal from Arizona but it's a name you're going to continue to hear over the next few days in connection to Xavier. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't ask for too much depth at the one and two. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'll leave it with this. Jerome Hunter, Jerome Hunter fan club. See you out there. Big ups. Love what, love what you did this year. Social media wise, Twitter wise, big ups to Jerome Hunter and uh, the, the team exceeded expectations and uh, I think we should all be extremely proud of what these guys did. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's two rules, just cover and they're just kids. That's all I got. Thanks, Chip. That's all we need. All right, let's go to the Jerome Hunter fan club. I imagine he's got to be a little worked up tonight. Jerome Hunter fan club, how are we? You know, hey, like I always say, first and foremost, all thanks and praise to our Lord and Savior, Jerome Hunter. Let, let's just get this out of the way. Like I, the way I would describe the game is basically worst case scenario. Am I crazy? No, I, I think that felt about right. I mean, that was everything going wrong, pretty much. That could have gone. I, you wrong. know, and I think. I mean, we talked about this. I think midweek or whenever we had the spaces. Basically, you know, Sule didn't provide what we needed from him. I think obviously down low from Nunji, we didn't. We were getting a lot of bunnies that just weren't going in. I mean. From a Jerome, Jerome Hunter standpoint, he obviously wasn't in the production that he had. The rest of the game was that necessarily his fault. I mean, I don't get paid the big bucks to do, be a basketball analyst. I get paid to drink on my couch. But, um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. Coming out of that game, like I'm not like, I'm not like. I feel like I'd be more upset if I knew the game was in within hand, right? Like I don't know. Like we just got that's, that's kind of what I was thinking too. That, that if it was like a, a one-point game and you got screwed on a bad call 
or some of those layups early came back to haunt you because you you couldn't cover you couldn't finish at the end in, in a one or two possession game it'd feel a little bit differently i feel like than this does this was just like texas was the better team you know yeah and you're at, you're absolutely right and i know i'm gonna get some probably some clifton dummies that give me in like my mentions or whatever but it's like at the end like it's gonna happen when there is a team that is better than you and there's like obviously obviously we didn't play to our best so like i don't you can't even like put out the argument that we could beat texas right because we just never played to our ability to where we could even consider the idea that we could be texas right so from that standpoint i'm like well you know what like i much rather focus on all the positives that happened this year than dwell on a loss that ultimately we most likely didn't have within the bag within the first 10 to 15 minutes of the game that that's just my standpoint so call me a loser i will not do that you, you can that's okay i won't i won't get on you know i uh, i do want to repeat a quote and it's not from that bum over at ABC nine. I won't repeat anything that bomb has to say, but uh, the quote from the Fox 19 guy, Ganneman, uh, he quoted Jerome Hunter as my head's high. We brought Xavier back. And, you know, I, if I, if I'm able to talk for a little, you know, I think you can parallel this a lot to last season, right? Obviously last season didn't go the way we went. Right. But the players were happy and there was growth and there was something to take away from that season that ultimately, you know, the team was able to come together in adversity, this and that, and we were able, you know, to put together a season that ultimately I think fan-wise we're probably not necessarily proud of. But those players, you know, are for sure as hell proud that they were able to go out and end the season like they did, right? You you look at this season, right? And obviously we you the light years bound ahead of where we finished last year, right? But think about the fact of like where we were after that crane game, we got blown out by 20 something, right? We learned the news that Zach Fremantle's out. Right. And for a lot of people, I mean, I don't personally, I mean, I was always optimistic, but I don't think a lot of people would have thought that sweet 16 was still a viable option. Once Zach Fremantle got out and we got blown out by crane. I mean, and you know, from a, just from a Jerome Hunter standpoint, cause I'm well-versed within the Hunter zone, you know, you, this season was probably almost as best as it could go for him outside of getting a trophy, right? All all these kids were able to play to their full extent, were able to play under a coach that was able to put, put them at their highest level possible. And they were able to play some great basketball. I think back to the game New Year's Eve where we beat number two UConn. The fact we beat UConn on the road, we beat Providence on the road. We got to the Big East Championship. We got to a sweet 16 after a year of winning the NIT. There, there is no way that I can take almost any negative from this season because ultimately, too, we got a lot of turnover going into next season. A lot of things are changing. But, you know, I got a lot of Clifton bozos in my mentions right now talking this and that, but I would much rather over my dead body take the way we ended tonight than anything else because I'm so proud of this team. I'm so proud of what everyone did. I'm so proud that we had all these players come back last year after an abysmal season said, you know what? We don't care what happened last season. We don't care what the staff was. We don't care why we came here. We got a coach that believes in us. That's giving us a clean slate. We believe in the players we got. and We're going to come back and ultimately get to something that this program hasn't been to in over what five years or so. I don't know. Like, but I'm damn fucking proud. I'm damn fucking proud of this team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 2018 obviously was the last tournament. 2017 was the last Sweet 16. They uh, they got Xavier firmly back on the effing tracks, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, and uh, obviously I'm probably 
I think everyone shares this sentiment as well. So I don't, it's just, I see a lot of people talking and, you know, the way the game ended, you can feel pretty down on yourself. But I mean, I don't know. I give big props to Kunkel, you know, who obviously Texas was up his ass tonight, just talking him left and right. The boy was still shooting threes and, you know, he for sure, I think, realize you know i I mean i would never understand this feeling of just being able to see the rest of your career basically outside of him going to europe or whatever just your college career basically slipping away from you basically so i give i give major props to him i give major props to everyone i mean i don't know i i i'm I'm just i'm not i'm not that upset because there's just there's too many positives this season to look back and try to like hang your head on this negative of one game right we i mean christ we had worth I'd rather lose to Texas than I lose to Butler. <laughs> Yuli. All right. All right. All sorry, right, sorry, right. Sorry, 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 sorry. fan club. Uh, pr- appreciate hearing from you as always. Uh, yeah, I, I understand you are, you are very worked up tonight. And that was uh, – you were on a heater, so I let you roll. But uh, let's move on to Brian now. So, Brian, go ahead. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me on, man. Um, first thing I got to say is 27 wins. Um, fourth most in program history. You had 30 and 08 when we played UCLA. You had 29 with the team that lost Florida State, 28 with the team that lost Wisconsin. It's fourth most wins in program history. So let's just cheers that first and foremost. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and expectations change how you feel about things, yeah. right? It might have even been Doug who brought this up yesterday or, or maybe it was on the message board. I don't know. But someone was talking about how it was like the Bengals. You know, two years ago, they make that run to the Super Bowl and it's just like pure bliss. There's, there's no expectations as they're making that run. No one had them doing anything like that. So it just felt so great. And last year, now you're a team with a lot returning and, and a coach who people are starting to respect. And, okay, now there are some expectations. And it, it doesn't quite feel the same until you're in that position again and you're in the AFC championship. No. This year for Xavier felt very much like that that first Bengal season, I feel like. It was just, you know, you're hoping they can get back to the tournament at least. But when they're back in the second weekend, at that point, it's just pure bliss, I would think, because this is just step one for Sean Miller 2.0 at Xavier. For sure. And I think tonight's biggest frustration was not the game, but it was like the hour before the game. So you sit there and you see Alabama get knocked off. Then you see Houston get knocked off. And like before tip, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, we could wear white on Sunday if we win. Like this field is wide open. Like UConn and Creighton, two of the favorites that are left, we were four and one against them this year playing them. Like obviously K-State's on fire, too. So they're a big time team, too. But like if we were to get past tonight, like you're talking 120 minutes from a national championship. And I know you're taking big steps there but like the teams that are out there like it it was possible if you got past tonight to legitimately talk about get past sunday and some real awesome stuff could happen so i think that's what would have been the teaser tonight not that we lost the game to texas but we got past it what awesome stuff could could have played out but the other thing i want to say is that you know, we knew we were shorthanded after we lost Zach. And I think that at that point, the season kind of took a different turn where it was like, we're going to have to dig deep and we're going to have to really do some things right to make it deep. The fact that Sean was able to get the team to do that. Like I want to give Jack Nunji a huge shout out. Cause like, if you looked at me at the beginning of the season, you said you needed 35 to 37 minutes a game out of Jack Nunji at a high level to advance. And he was going to do that. Like he was gassed tonight, but I get that he was gassed tonight. Like in the beginning of the season, you're looking at Jack Jerome and Zach up front, probably between them, 
what Jack and Jack and Zach, 28 minutes a game, Jerome, 18 minutes a game. And you got to a point where you're 36 at minutes out of Nunji and 33 minutes out of Jerome. You know why he was gassed tonight because he was pushing it to the limit every game. And, you know, some of those bunnies that didn't go in, I get it. He's up against a very athletic team. Suli's a little overmatched defensively. Like they're just a really good team. And like at a certain point tonight, you got the, you know, 2017 Gonzaga vibes where it was just like the better team out there is outperforming us and you tip your cap, but like you can't knock this team whatsoever for any of the effort they gave because Sean got the most out of this group. Um, and lastly, thanks. Thanks for taking my, uh, my call, man. Great props to you, Adam, Paul, and everybody that covered the team this year. Thanks a lot. Look forward to uh, a great off season and a great, uh, 2023, yeah, no, thanks 2024. For in and, uh, appreciate the call and, and the thoughts there, Brian, make sure you, uh, keep coming by because we'll be continuing to do this throughout the offseason obviously i want to bring in paul fritchner yeah first of all rick you, you sound like c3po oh no um i all right i, I i'll i got you uh so i am still here i'm still at the arena i'm walking around the uh the bowels of the t-mobile center right now i uh, just got done walked out of the press conferences the locker room just closed walked out from uh some of those interviews and everything else. And um, obviously very emotional, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of, a lot of emotion, um, rightfully so. And I think there's such a weird feeling around this game and this team. And I know I'm not breaking any ground here. I know that I'm not saying anything revolutionary, but to me, it's so bittersweet trying to recap this team in this season and, and look at how everything went down here over this these last three hours because there was a real opportunity here for Xavier and for this team to make a final four. I mean, it was right there in front of them, but you're playing a Texas team that is so talented and really given Xavier a lot of trouble. And I thought Sean Miller said it really well in a press conference. Myron Metcalf from ESPN asked him, uh, he asked him, um, was there anything different about Texas that you guys saw uh, on Texas, you know, in the game versus on film? Um, and he said that they played a lot faster. He said it, it was a much faster game that it, 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 just, it almost just kind of felt like they were overwhelmed. And that's the, the sense you got the entire game. And I really thought that the game was, you know, I mean, you could say a lot of different, a lot of different ways. You know, Jack Nunji didn't have a great game tonight. Sule Boom took till the second half to really get going. Adam Kunkel obviously left it all out on the floor, but I mean, there was a really big swing there at the end of the first half. Xavier had kind of, sort of, kind of figured a couple of things out, and it felt like down those last two minutes, if Xavier could get it within 10, you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, you're, you're going to put yourself in a great position for the second half because really they were going inside to Jack Nunji. They were getting the looks that they wanted, everything that we had talked about all week with you know going inside to Nunji, trying to do whatever they could do to get that ball around the basket. They were getting those looks. And they eventually started to, to kind of go in, but just not in the beginning when they had the chance to go out there and throw the first punch. And then you go into the half and you miss a layup, and then you give up. I think it was a missed layup. And then you give up back-to-back threes, including the, the half quarter. And all of a sudden you're down by whatever it was, 16 or 17. And, and that just felt like the dagger. Like at that point. The, the, the two Hail Mary threes, the one, is my audio fixed? Yeah, you're, you're much better. Okay. You're, you're clear. The, the the three at the end of the shot clock that was a little bit earlier in the first half, and then that three at the buzzer, it, it was going to be problematic either way, the hole that they had dug themselves in the first half. But those two shots that make it a 17-point deficit just really changed the game in a lot of ways, I felt like. Yeah, oh, it, it absolutely did. In fact, Adam and I were sitting there talking about it, and we just kept saying to ourselves, wow, well, you know, if they 
if they can get this down manageable going into the half, it's not going to be over. It's not going to be over. And then Marcus Carr throws up that wild circus shot right at the end of the shot clock. And then I forget who hit that half quarter, but you know, a half court shot going into the locker room and, you know, the crowd's going, the, the, the team's going, I mean, they couldn't miss, they couldn't miss. And, you know, Xavier, they just didn't make the shots. And, and it's like what I texted you. It just felt like every time, instead of getting up and down the court, playing in transition, kind of get out, getting out on a break and scoring in the first five to seven seconds of the shot clock, they got bogged down in this half-court game, and it was so physical. I mean, these guys were – it wasn't even so much how big they were. It was just how physical they were. And, I mean, maybe there's a game I'm forgetting or a team I'm forgetting, or maybe I'm just blanking right now because it's – so late and there's been a lot going on and I'm not thinking about it, but I just couldn't remember a game this year that played out like sitting there next to the court and how physical that game was tonight. I mean, it just, they were overwhelmed tonight. Yeah. I, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I thought when they weren't able to take advantage of some of those early baskets that, you know, the looks Nungy got around the rim, the, I think Colby had one or two of them. And then they had some wide open threes for a couple of different people when they weren't able to get those first five or six shots to go down. That's when it seemed like the pressure just started overwhelming them and they really got sped up. It's, it, it's almost like you have to take the aggressiveness away from Texas a little bit or any team that wants to pressure you like that. And when you're not able to do that initially, it, it can really start getting to you. And, and honestly, to Xavier's credit, they didn't turn the ball over that much in this game. I mean, they had 70 or 69 possessions in the game. They finished with 12 turnovers. Uh, that's not terrible. The, the, the turnovers weren't really the issue. I mean, it was a seven to six points off turnover, seven to six advantage in points off turnovers for Xavier. So that wasn't their issue. And, you know, when you go to the, the rebounding, Xavier had a 13 to nothing advantage in second chance points. So, the yeah. effort things, the controlling the things you can control. To some extent, I thought Xavier did that. Texas was just better. Uh, they they over their star players were way better than Xavier's star players were in well, this game. Well, and that's I think that's a really good point. Um, I and then I'm gonna have to walk back to the hotel. Um, my phone's. I gotta make sure my phone has some charge here. Walk back to the hotel. There's a ton of people requested in. Um, I can't see any of them. Not okay. so, one single request right now. So All if right. you can well, throw you know, any. You know what I'll do? I, I'll kind of put him on the spot here. I'll make Doug Tift. I'll see if I can make. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. He just walked out of the bathroom. Adam Baum, your thoughts? Sadness. Very much sadness. No, what an awesome season. Like, yeah, it sucks that it ended the way that it did. But these guys were a pleasure to follow and uh, could not have had more fun covering this team this season. Um it was a blast, you know. You know, I, I do just while, while you say that and while you're standing here, I do just want to say if anybody that is listening uh, was at where where were we, the Power and Light District <laughs> before the game, I just want to just say a, a massive thank you to everybody that was there because that is something that I will never forget and I know Adam will never forget. Um, one of the coolest things I've ever done and it was a lot of fun with everybody that was there. Uh, so I do want to give a quick shout out and, and appreciation to everybody because it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's over, but it, uh, the season was a wild success. Yeah, Paul. I actually, I thought Paul might uh, suplex a cheerleader through a table. That's how <laughs> fired up he was. Baum, how intoxicated was Fritchner with the energy in that place? I mean, not a sip of alcohol or illicit drugs, just the energy and vibes from the Xavier fan base. How intoxicated was Fritchner? 
Well, here's he looks blacked out. Here's the greatest thing about that. What what happened before the game with Paul is that they asked us to do that, and basically the way that they presented it to us was like, "Oh, we're going to invite you guys up on stage. Maybe you introduce like President Hanich." And and Paul just gets the mic and goes full psycho mode. Um, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Well, I mean, we, the Rock. I saw the Rock retweeted it and said it couldn't have done. <laughs> Now, now that would be a dream come true. Yeah, no, we thought we were just going up into a little bar and we're going to give like, you know, a five minute keys to the game thing. And then they came up and said, hey, you're going to go up on the main stage and go up there with the cheerleaders. I said, all right, sign me up. So about a couple minutes heads up, we, we made it work. But no, it was fun. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and that's the other thing, too, um, that I'll say before we, you know, we can get back into talking about the actual game on the court. But it, I felt genuinely bad for so many of the Xavier fans that were here because they're it, it obviously didn't come across on TV because Xavier never led in the game they never really made a run they never got the crowd into the game but there were so many Xavier fans here that were just dying dying for a chance to to break out and 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 you know be as loud as they could and and just it, it never happened well, the story I heard was that you actually pushed your way past multiple security guards and stole the mic on the stage. So I don't know what to believe at this point. I know what I saw in the video, and you looked like a crazed lunatic. So he ran, he uh, ran I'm over. He ran over a little old woman too to get up there. <laughs> that was Sister Jean. I heard actually. <laughs> yeah, the wheelchair. Oh, that was a brutal scene at the uh, KC Live. Um, Paul, I've got an idea. Why yeah. don't bring in every person that's requested and I'm going to hope that they're respectful enough for them to wait for me to call their name. Hey, oh Rick, my God. Rick, can I ask you something real quick? Of, of course. Yeah. All right. So I had some, some hardos in, in my Twitter mentions after the end of the game, because they, they felt like it was a slight that I said that this team overachieved. And I'm just, well, in my opinion, no one saw this team winning 27 games and going to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Can I get your thoughts on that? They had definitely, they definitely overachieved. There is no you. question. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a great year. I think that these guys proved what they set out to prove, which was that they were capable of more. But, you know, Sule Boom played a big factor in that, and Sean Miller played a massive factor in them getting over that hump, obviously. And I, I think there's no question them getting the Sweet 16 after Zach Fremantle went down can only be seen as them overachieving. Yep. Yep. All right. I added everybody except for one person. So we're going to have to kick one person off once they're done speaking and get back on. But I'm well, going to. No, yeah, go ahead. That's not a problem. I'm kick Yuli off right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll. I'll try to join back on in a few minutes. All right. No worries. And uh, Bow, make sure you go ahead and uh, do the all the TV stations next stories for them. We'll appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go to Doug here first. Uh, I see all of you guys in here, so I'll just call you one by one. We'll start with Doug. Hey, what's up, Rick? What's going on? Not much. Um, good perspective tonight. Um, good stuff from Paul and and Bomb in there. Um, so I, I'm sitting here thinking of a, a text that I remember I sent you and, and Dan and, and Nick. Um, it was like an hour after the Sean Miller press conference a year ago in the glow of that, where I, I remember I texted you guys that I know two things for absolute certain. Number one is that Xavier is going to make a final four in the next 10 years. And number two 
is when Xavier plays in that final four game, they're going to be blasted into the sun by about 75 points because they're going to be the happy to be their team. <laughs> and I, I still feel that way. Um, but it, I, I got some ideas earlier tonight, like you were saying of the, you know, you look around and you say, wait a second, they're, they might be like the highest rated Ken, Ken Palm team left or the second highest rated Ken Palm team left. If, if, uh, if things break, right. But yeah, it, it's a, you know, tough night at the end of the day, but still with the ultimate perspective of they're, they're on the right tracks. So I'd actually started writing something about this a, a little bit, Doug, but I think you could say before the game or maybe even within the first couple minutes of the game tipping off, because that's when Dylan Dessou went down with his injury. That was about as close as Xavier's ever been to winning a national championship there for a few minutes. I mean, oh, it felt absolutely right. absolutely. as close as it's ever been. And now at the same well, time, can, now can, I, can I cut you off there? It, yeah, it, it is the closest Xavier's ever been to a national championship. Not the closest Sean Miller's ever been to a national championship. I think that's like the fourth closest he's ever been to a national championship. <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah. Um, now, on that note, I would say after this is done, sitting here tonight right now, and this is the part I was kind of thinking about and, and looking to write about, I think you could easily make the argument that a final four has never felt more within reach and more realistic for this program. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it, it just, you just have to fill in the pieces. <laughs> you have Sean Miller. So you have a, a coach who, as we were talking about the other day, you go down the list. And I think uh, when I was thinking about it the other day, we, we listed the big East coaches, you know, one through 10, and then you have an incomplete for Kim, Kim English. Um, and I think we both had, had Hurley at like seven. Um, so you have a, somebody who's probably going to go to the final four tomorrow or could win a national championship next week. And he's the seventh best coach in your league. Uh, or I think we had him fourth in fairness. I, okay. I believe right. we had him even still your points well taken. Yes. Um, where Miller, either both of us, both of us had Miller above him. So you right. you have Miller rated above a guy who's probably going to go to a final four or above McDermott, who's also probably going to go to the final four. One of those guys is going to be there. And so you have that foundational piece and then you build around him. And, um, you know, I, I was also texting you last week of I, I have never felt uh, more confident of a guy who is going to take a jump um, since SF Terps. I, you know, I don't know if we're allowed. It's been 10 years, so I guess we can say the name <laughs> as well as out loud now. Um, but that was the last time that I felt this confident after a freshman year of a guy going to take a leap. And I don't know how high the leap goes, but it's going to be impressive um, of a guy who's who's going to take a big step forward. And there's your foundational piece, and you, you build around that um, as uh, you know, bring in a bunch of transfers, of course, and do all that. But they've got they've got the infrastructure. Yeah, and I, I don't know in terms of like specific roster pieces and all that. Who knows how it all plays out? And this could be eight years from now. It could be twelve years from now. For all I know. But what I do know is this is the best chance Xavier's ever had to have an elite-level coach. And we're talking about a guy who is in his power prime, if you will, of coaching years right now. It's not like he's at the end. And it's not like he's a guy who's been there, done that when it comes to the Final Four or getting to national championships. He still has a chip on his shoulder. And not only does he have the chip on his shoulder of wanting to, to accomplish those things, but he also has this whole whatever just played out in his last few years from the Arizona to the year off to getting back to Xavier. I mean, you've got a guy who is highly motivated in his prime. That's one of the best coaches in the entire country. And Oh, by the way, 
it's hard to see a scenario in which he leaves Xavier anytime in the near future. And one other thing I would add is uh, I know this from firsthand experience and maybe it was cause I was an 18 year old journalist for the Xavier newswire shout out to the Xavier newswire. Um, but uh, I have never been more frightened in my life than a human of a human being than Sean Miller in like 2008, 2009 uh, of just like, he just exuded just brute energy. And there was no, there was never a moment where I saw Sean Miller laugh or smile or anything. Like he was just like, so on edge a hundred percent of the time. And even tonight you see him like, you know, in the, they've, suffered this crushing defeat their season is over and he is still able to crack a smile at a question on the on the stand and stuff like that he just has perspective which i think is really valuable and is is like a difference between like oh why didn't it why didn't he get over the edge at at arizona what was the final piece i think it like some perspective of being able to step back which he has now i think that's a a little like little secret in the in the uh equation there I yeah I, I don't think there's any doubt, uh, Doug. In terms of the game, we had talked about it a lot going in. Was there anything that surprised you, or was it pretty much what we had talked about, it and it played out kind of in a worst case scenario for Xavier in a lot of ways? Pretty much worst case scenario of uh, just like <laughs> you, you needed you needed to not get crushed by ball screens and by the the Texas guards. And you got crushed by the ball screens and Texas guards. And it, it was, you know, like it was a layup line whenever um, the whenever those guys wanted to get there. I think what really, really got things rolling downhill was Marcus Carr literally could not miss in the first eight, ten minutes of the game on uh, some some fadeaway mid-range two-point shots that like Kevin Durant would call a bad shot. And Marcus Carr is knocking these in as if it's no big deal. And then it's like, oh, geez. And then, oh, so now Colby Jones is freaking out because the guy he's guarding is just hitting everything he – well, first off, the guy he's guarding is shoving him uh, in the back um, to the ground and then hitting a a shot and nobody's calling the foul. But nonetheless, um, and Colby freaks out and gets two quick fouls because he's contesting jump shooters and stuff like that, which is totally understandable when a guy hits – you know, hits – four jumpers in your face that are really hard shots so that's not ideal none of that was ideal and then all of a sudden the yeah you get you can't guard the ball and then we got to like mix in some two three zone and all the defensive stuff was about worst case scenario offensively it was about as you expect of there's there's a massive mismatch and it gets even larger three minutes into the game when when disu goes out and now um you know nunji's the tallest man on the court by five inches and it's just how do we how does Xavier get him the ball in the in the lane how does Xavier and, and I mean he got 19 shots you know he got 19 <laughs> shots he was getting the ball in the lane he That's just was right. not getting the ball in the hole and uh that, that was kind of the it, the the shot quality charts at the end of the game are going to look fantastic for Xavier and they look back on it and say you know they, they were getting these shots that synergy and anybody else would put at you know top 20 percent of quality of shots and just missing them um and that you look you'll look back on that in in five years and look at the score and say man they kind of got blown out but it it didn't feel like they were doing that many wrong things at the beginning but like we said before the game Nunji needed to play like an all-american and he did not tonight 
You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm walking back. I, I, the only thing I want to say to that, Doug, and I said that I tweeted the same thing. It felt it was this weird feeling at, I think, the under 12 timeout of the first half where Xavier, to me, was doing all the right things. They just yeah. they weren't hitting the shots. And then, like you had texted me earlier, Doug, where, you know, you're saying Xavier's got to come out, throw the first punch. Sometimes Texas hasn't gotten off to the best starts this year. And then all of a sudden – it's Texas that comes out, throws the first punch, and they get some confidence under their belt because Xavier's missing their shots and they have the crowd behind him and everything else. And now all of a sudden, you're up a creek without a paddle. Yeah. No, it was it was just rolling downhill quickly. Um, but they, you play that game again, I, I actually don't think it's that much of a mismatch. I, like, I if, if they played a seven-game series, I actually wouldn't. I, like I wouldn't hate my chances in a seven game series. That sounds ridiculous to say after that game, but in the first half, like Xavier actually didn't get crushed that much defensively. Like the Texas hit some tough shots, um, but I think they ended the first half with like, well, going into the under four timeout, Texas's points per possession was like uh, 0.8. So they weren't, Xavier was hanging in there defensively for a while. And then all of a sudden the floodgates opened and, and it was like that last, that last war of the first half was really what, what did him in? Um, uh, I will agree that I think you got Texas as a game here. Yeah, yeah. It, it's I think if you play him in a seven game series, that's not like that was about as bad as Xavier can play and about as good as Texas can play. Um, and so go back to your point of you know stepping back and saying you know it, when when does Xavier make the next step? When do they get to the elite? When do they threaten for Final Fours and all that? It's like that this team this was a team that was good enough to do that. They just played about as bad as you can play tonight and and played a team that was that was just clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the frustrating thing is because it felt like this season and the expectations and the trajectory of it were happening so fast that it was almost too fast for fans expectations to catch up to and i thought you had a great analogy on the message board to the 2021 20, 22 bengal season where it's all you're just along for the ride and you're happy to be there but at the same time you keep winning winning and winning and you can clearly see how talented this team is and what they're capable of and now you're, th- you're sitting there thinking well everybody was happy that they just even made the ncaa tournament but hold on a second you're in the sweet 16 you have a legitimate chance to make the Elite Eight and, quite honestly, get to the Final Four, and then you just don't play the game you need to play to get to that point. I like so. hearing run out of breath as he's walking to his hotel and talking. To <laughs> I am grinding right now, fellas. I have not eaten in, like, 12 hours. Oh, I am I'm a shell of a man right now. You sound great. All right, well, All right. I'll, I'll shut up here. We've got, like, 25 speakers ready to go jump in, so I'll, I'll – all right. Oh, thanks, Doug. Let's go to Paula. So I'm going to keep this quick because we've got 25 million people, but there's like three quick points I want to make. So number one, um, 67 of the 68 teams that get invited to this tournament go home disappointed every single year. Uh, two, you know, Rick, the last uh, spaces that I didn't call in, you talked about on your Ask Skinny podcast, what does Xavier have to do to make the final four? One point that we did not bring up after that Pittsburgh game, um, all five of those starters were in double figures and as Claude. That's what they needed to do to get to the final mm-hmm. four. And yep. um, that that didn't happen tonight. Um, and I think, yeah, we can be disappointed about tonight, but I think we have to see um, the bigger picture. This is not the most talented team that Xavier's ever had. 
And I think Paul brought up a great point too. Texas was just physical and Xavier could not punch back. And uh, Sean will get those players on this squad that will be able to deliver a punch. And Sean will get players on this squad who will um, play the defense that Xavier needs. Even though these guys this year, they totally stepped up to their defensive effort as the season went along. I think these are just not the, the dudes that Sean needs to play defense. Um, that, that's perfectly. Left- well, hold on. That That is perfectly okay. said because I think it is – on one hand, it's like, yeah, these guys were great. And I'm sure Sean appreciates the hell out of them yeah. and the effort they gave yeah. him all year and and what they did for the program to get it back here. But you're yeah. so right. And dudes is the exact word I would use. It's like, these are not Sean Miller's dudes. Yeah. And you're going to see a different looking style of team in the next few years. Yes. And the last point I want to make, and I know this might sound weird, but I think a person that Xavier Nation really needs to think is Jonas Hayes. And follow me along here, right? So Xavier goes from Wednesday at the Big East tournament, blowing a six-point lead in the last 50 seconds to Butler, not making the tournament again for the fourth straight year, entering the NIT, having a lackadaisical game against Cleveland State, which they end up winning, um, but it's kind of an apathetic effort by the team, an apathetic uh, crowd from the fans, which was totally deserved. And the university decides, you know what, we just can't go forward, Travis, anymore. And two days later, they decided to hire Sean. But Jonas, in that time period, gets these players together, and they keep on winning these games in the NIT. And as they're winning these games in the NIT, they're having something that they haven't had in the last couple of years, and that was fun. And they started to play for each other, and they really realized that they liked playing with each other. And I really think that's what got a lot of these guys to come back this year is just because they were like, you know what? We had such a fun run at the NIT. We had such a fun run winning a championship that we want to do this in the NCAA. We want to win Big East tournament games. We want to win NCAA tournament games. We want to bring Xavier back to where it used to be. And I think Jonas helped so much in that process. And he did this too, without knowing what his own situation was going to be, right? Whether Sean was going to offer him a spot in his bench, whether he was going to go somewhere else, like his own job status was up in the air. And the fact that he was able, and look, as fans, we don't say, Hey, we want to make the NIT, right? But they did the best they could last year in the situation they had and winning that NIT. I think so much meant so much to those players that that's what got them to come back this season and that that was really the driving force of why they did so well this year and totally overachieved is because what they did last year and that's all i have to say i think and i think i said this on the last show we did too when someone brought this up i don't think there's any carryover from like experienced gained or they got momentum rolling or anything like that from playing in last year's nit but i totally agree with you on the point that I don't think this roster comes back together the way it did with all those guys agreeing to return if they don't get that bad taste out of their mouth of the way the season was ending when we got to the end of the regular season, the end of the Big East tournament, that first Cleveland State game in the NIT. At that point, I think had you asked most of those guys in the locker room, a lot of them would have been going somewhere else. And to your point, the way they came together over that run reminded them of, hey, this is a good group of guys. We like each other. We like playing together. I think that and obviously combined with Sean Miller taking over them, having trust in him and him doing a good job of of selling to them his vision for what it would look like playing under him. 
without that run though i agree with you i don't think all of those guys would have agreed to come back that's Paula, anything I just, else I, no i just want to thank you too for all that you did this year uh thank adam as well you guys were great um i'm definitely going to miss these spaces over the summer but uh definitely you know can't wait to see the first one come up uh next october or so well i mean it's it, the post game spaces won't be happening but well, I would love to keep this going, but here's the problem I have is the way Twitter is acting and the issues I have with my audio and being able to see callers and everything like that. I think we need to find a new solution where we can do live shows and take calls somehow. I just my, my concern is the Twitter spaces solution is so convenient. You guys just have it on the right. app. You can click on it. It's very easy to call in. My concern is if I set up something more complicated where you actually have to like call a number or something people won't yeah want that to. ain't happening yeah so that's my there's concern probably, there's but gotta like be something else out there and there's people smarter than i that know what they are and if you just put it out in the message board we'll find it yeah yeah i mean if we can find something else and i mean i like doing the live shows on video on Streamyard and, and youtube live and all of that but those are just comments that you guys send in i like being able to talk with you and it it makes it more of a show so we will continue to do something over the summer and during the off season i just don't know exactly what form okay Thanks, guys. All right, let's go to Omelette slash Joey. Hey, Rick, how you doing? First of all, want to thank you guys uh, for the spaces, the post-game spaces all year. Have been absolutely electric. Uh, I have three major points to make, I would guess. Um, first of all, uh, other than uh, that fat loser Bevo who attacked Ugga at the Sugar Bowl and Marcus, zero for 20 in the ACC car. Uh, I had no issue with Texas tonight, uh, but um, that Patrick Beverly celebration and the you know pressing up 20, I took offense to that. I thought that was a real not classy move. Well, their coach is um, Gus Fring. I mean, he's second of all, uh, if that loser Yuli wants to say anything, uh, Xavier Frisbee's traveling up to Butler this weekend for a tournament. So you can say it to me and my boys. Um, and uh, third of all, I know that he doesn't do this anymore. I don't think he does. But uh, I want to give my uh, Jim Nance uh, tie for this whole tournament to Adam Kunkel. Uh, dude was giving it 40 minutes each time, even when he wasn't playing 40 minutes. I mean, honestly, he was giving it at all, it his all. And uh, I'm a grown man. I'm not afraid to admit that I, I cried heavily when I saw him. Uh, crying and that that screen grab that we've seen a bunch of times uh but yeah that's uh pretty much all that i have to say and uh, i'd appreciate a uh, response or not doesn't matter uh, and all Joey, thanks and praise to jerome hunter of course yeah this uh, this is a safe space so i appreciate you being uh, vulnerable in here and telling us about your feelings and uh I, I certainly get that you know adam is uh a kid that i really enjoyed watching too because i got to cover his entire preps career at cooper when i was covering it for the enquire still and doing that and then to see him come back home and, and play at xavier and get to cover the rest of his career was pretty cool so um i do want to send out just a quick update adam baum tweeted a little bit ago that he uh, said, I didn't expect them to have answers right after the loss, but I spoke to Colby Jones, Jack Nungy, and Jerome Hunter about their futures at Xavier. All three said they're going to take their time and speak with their families and the coaching staff. So uh, exactly what you'd expect. Nothing nothing new to update there, but that's, that's what they said. Um, Rick, just to add on to that about Adam. So when I got hired by CovCath, when I was a junior at Xavier back in 2000 and 
2017, I think, late 2017, early 2018, the year that they won the state title. That was Kunkel's senior year at Cooper. And I remember at Covcalf uh, doing those games, and, and C.J. Frederick was on that team. Uh, that that, that Covcalf team was phenomenal. And I remember I, I knew nothing about – I mean, obviously not being from the area in Kentucky. Like, I knew nothing about the ninth region. I knew nothing about prep hoops over there. I knew nothing about how Kentucky high school sports and the tournament and basketball, nothing about it. And all I kept hearing was Adam Kunkel, Adam Kunkel, Adam Kunkel, and CJ. And I just thought – I was sitting there last week, and I watched Xavier beat Pitt and Kunkel and, you know, had the game that he had against Pitt. And then a couple hours later, I watched, you know, CJ at, at Kentucky. And I got to say, like, I don't really have a, a conclusion to this story, except that it is a pretty full circle moment to see a guy like Kunkel, who had such a great high school career. I mean, a truly great high school career, then had a really good career at Belmont. And now to come here to Xavier and, and to go out the way he did tonight. I mean, he, he left it all out there. There's nothing you can say about his performance tonight. All right, let's go to musky season. Yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was a tough one tonight. No way to, to shake it otherwise. So, yeah, I got three main points. Um, first, the the physicality that people have touched on, I think that's kind of the limitation. Um, and I'm really glad that I haven't seen a whole lot of people on players on Twitter that I was scared of for the last four years. Um, but, like, I think with Sule especially, like, Sule's a phenomenal player and he's a bucket, but – like, there's no way to, to beat around the bush. He's not the biggest guy. And I think when we see a team like Texas, I think that's what he, that's what we'll kind of run into. Um, but, yeah, then you guys were touching on, um, like, where this program is right now and could not agree more. I think, like, I think Sean's made it clear that this offensive style is, like, here to stick around. Um, so when Sean gets, like, his guys in here that will run this offense and play his defense – and then also couple that with where the Big East is going to be. I mean, I think, like people have said, I definitely I, I would be shocked to see Sean not take this program to heights that we've not uh, not seen before. Uh, well, and that's the thing. I don't think people are talking about uh, talking enough about the fact that we saw Sean Miller completely revamp his style of play. He has improved and changed his style. He didn't have the guys to play his normal style, and he didn't change because of the personnel he had. This is the way he wants to play. You're correct. He wants to play more up-tempo. He wants to score more. He talked about coming to these conclusions during his year off, and it worked perfectly. His style of play was phenomenal, and it's the reason in a lot of ways that this team did overachieve. But you're right. What happens when he has – the guys that are more capable of playing defense the way he demands his teams to play defense. What happens when he gets a lineup that is actually the more athletic and can play a little more up-tempo, more successfully, even more skilled shooting on the roster? There weren't, I mean, the last few years we talked about the lack of shooting on this team, and I didn't know coming into this year if they'd even have enough shooting going into this season. And they obviously shot a great percentage, but not on a lot of attempts. What happens when he has more shooting and better athletes and better defense, and he's also running this new style of offense, which I agree with you, is here to stay? I don't think that's being talked about enough. It's not just that you have a good coach in Sean Miller. It's that you have a good coach in Sean Miller who has gotten better. Yeah, no, and like this system is – and like I I like to on UConn a lot, especially during like the regular season play, but like they do a great job. Like 
when their offense is humming, their offense is humming, and they also have defense. Like we saw with, with Texas tonight, like their offense is humming, and they can also back it up on D and like give us like two or three years. I've like fully like like I've just been watching more film on like our recruits and like this Dalen Swain kid. I mean, you 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 get him in a college weight room, like this kid is gonna be a monster. Not to mention pair him with Trey Green, who's just gonna light up Centos. Um, but yeah, super, super exciting. Um, and then, so like one, one, uh, one note that I feel like I haven't seen a whole lot on just kind of separately is like, if you could talk more about like the NIL spaces and like where that all is going, not necessarily tonight, but like more this off season, I think that'd be, uh, some interesting content to get into just cause I know it's a little bit different than like the football NIL stuff. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to track and I want to try to get a better grasp on because it's just it's it's a weird thing. You know, it's kind of done. I mean, now it is out in the open because it's legal and it's something every program is trying to do. But people are still weird about it when you ask questions and you try to get info. It can still be kind of murky and things aren't exactly clear, like especially when it comes to dollar amounts and like how competitive is Xavier right now in NIL. The the word I hear is that they're doing pretty well considering the level that they're at and, and what they're being able to offer the player. Uh, but that's going to be a constant struggle and uh, a constant contest every single offseason to build up NIL and be able to fight against these other teams that are high major schools with more resources and bigger donor bases and all of those types of things. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely uh, look forward to, uh, to seeing that stuff on the message boards and uh, any articles you're putting out on that. So appreciate it. All right, musky season. Appreciate the plug for the message board. Make sure you sign up to Musketeer Report. If you're like, wait, what's he talking about? Dalen Swain and Trey Green. How does he know so much about these guys? Go to musketeerreport.com. Sign up. Join the report. Join the message board. Communicate with guys like Doug on a regular basis and get all of their great insights. Let's go to Bill. Bill Cassidy, you're up next. Unmute yourself. Fellas, it's unfortunate we got whipped tonight, but all in all, a great season. I, I would agree with that. I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that X would make the Sweet 16 second in the Big East and lose in the Big East title game, I'd have said you're crazy, but hey, they did it, you know. It's a shame they got their butts kicked tonight, but, you know, they had a great season. So, Bill, did you go hard. to Kansas City or are you in Cincinnati? I am currently outside McFadden's Bar. Had several beverages tonight. I could, I could not uh, tell. You cannot tell. Yes, this is a tribute account to my father, but we lost. So, I mean, it is what it is, but they had a great year. It's hard to be too upset about it. It stinks that they lost, but they're going back in the right direction. You know, I, I feel like in the next five years, hopefully we'll make the Final Four finally. That's what we were talking about just a few minutes ago. I don't know how long you've been listening, but I, I said I don't think Xavier's ever been closer to a Final Four. I don't think a Final Four has ever felt more realistic going forward than it is now for this program. All right, Rick, I'll pose this to you. Over, under two and a half years until Xavier makes a Final Four. Oh, over. I mean, just the, the odds are so in your favor there. And I, I still, there's a lot of work to do. I mean, you had this team together, and while it was a flawed team, it was also a very experienced group that all came back together. You were able to add that point guard, and that was a lot of pieces to come together that could all play to some level. Right now, I mean, starting over next year, it's kind of a rebuild. 
You've yeah, really got I agree. To place everybody. So I don't think this is going to be like a quick and easy thing. I don't know that you can necessarily expect them to be in the same position again next year, but I think you have to be really optimistic about the situation you're in over the long term. Yeah, I agree with you, fellas. Long term, they're going to be fine. It might not come all together next year like it did this year, but uh, over the next three to five years, I feel like they'll be back in the same position. Definitely. Well, Bill, really appreciate you uh, checking in from outside the bar there. And uh, one other thing that I think people need to realize when they're talking about Xavier and yes, they're in a really good position and this is going to be a lot of fun. The big East is also getting a lot better. You just had a guy named Rick Pitino join the conference. St. John's is going to be a factor the next couple of years. Like this thing isn't getting easier to finish at the top of the big East, win big East championships, all of that stuff. So it's it's not just Xavier that's putting themselves in a better position. I don't I don't know that Georgetown is going to be at the top of the conference with Ed Cooley, but they'll at least be a factor again, making the conference tougher. So a lot Man, of stuff to about, talk think about. Think about Marquette next year too. I mean, the, the Big East is going to be a gauntlet. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. All right, let's go to uh, Nate. Nate Bone, hey, fellas, fellas, um, good good to, good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. I just wanted to say. Um, I mean, kind of echoing what, uh, what has been said, I think, uh, it's, it's easy to hang your head after this one and say, you know what? It never really felt like we were in that game, but, um, to, to be at this point, um, I, I will take, uh, I'll take losing by 12 in the sweet 16 over, um, over, uh, an NIT championship. I will take that. I, I was excited about the NIT championship, but I will tell you the sweet 16 was a lot of fun. Um, getting to brag to people for a full week. Um, I feel like people don't talk about that enough. Like making it to the second weekend, like you get to you get to let yeah. everyone hear it for a whole week after that. Like that's awesome. Well, and they actually care. Yeah. I mean, the NIT stuff was cute last year. It was funny from you guys, but Xavier fans were the only ones who cared about that. Everyone else was just like, shut the hell up. Right. But when you're in the national conversation, everybody wants to talk about Xavier basketball. Right, exactly. And um, and I think you know Paul made Paul made a great point on his podcast. Like not a lot of people were talking about Xavier going into this game tonight, and I get it. You know we uh, we didn't really prove that people should have been talking about us tonight. But I tell you what, like Sweet Sixteen, one of the best sixteen teams in the in the nation. Uh, my main thing, I wanted to hop on here and just say uh, a lot of people talking about the senior players and um, how we're going to lose. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the senior managers. Um, they've contributed a lot um, over the past four years, and um, they will be missed as well. I just wanted to throw that in here, and then I'm just going to keep listening. I'm sitting in a hotel in Kansas City with my dad. We're drunk waiting for a little delivery pizza. Um, love you guys. Oh, yeah. What pizza did you love get? the Muskies. Uh, oh, my God. What hotel, Nate? Uh, the uh, Residence Inn and, like, Independence were out in the boonies. Oh, I'm still foodless, and I think I might just go to bed hungry. Oh, Paul. Uber to our hotel. It's only like 30 minutes away. Yeah. There's a $70 Uber to get out here. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was brutal. And I uh, I will admit I cannot come get you with a car. No. Yeah. All right. But, uh, Thanks, but yeah, hey, I just lo- love the stuff. I'm going to keep listening while we're sitting here waiting for pizza. I might fall asleep. Who knows? But uh, love you guys. Love Xavier. Love basketball. Love March Madness. This is this has all been fun. So thank you. And we love Nate. Let's go to Johnny next. Hey guys, thanks. Uh, first of all, devastated. 
um, was feeling good pregame. Uh, kind of had a weird, just kind of weird take on the game. It seemed kind of both over almost right away with the physicality that you mentioned before. But then also, I mean, it's like, man, they were getting good shots. Like you mentioned, Nunji had some wide open threes right at the top of the three point arc where he likes to shoot it. Um, you know, I thought they had some, like the layups, obviously, that they were missing. Those Nunji threes felt like those could have been the difference makers because he had a couple. I mean. of like, man, if those go down, it, it feels awfully different if it's eight to six instead of six to two or whatever in those first several possessions. Yeah, and it just seemed like right out of the gate, Texas just kind of came out and I guess like literally punched them in the mouth. And I don't know if maybe I just got maybe rattled from it or what, but it seemed like that really just impacted the whole first half and even kind of into the second half where they just, every time they were going to the basket, they kind of just didn't really know what they wanted to do. I mean, they were shooting them. I mean, some of those layups just weren't even close and they were just, I mean, from a foot away almost, but it's just just a weird game where I really do feel like they could have won. I know there were, you were saying you weren't really sure because Texas brought their A game, but I, I mean, I don't know what the call with what Xavier brought, but they they were getting the shots that they wanted. They were getting the ball to Nunji, and it just kind of didn't work. But I really do feel like you know they play that a couple more times. I think X can could have beaten them. It just kind of didn't fall their way. This yeah, time. I probably didn't say that very well. I guess my point was more not that Xavier could never beat this Texas team, but that. It wasn't a night where you caught Texas on an off night and Dylan DeSue went down and the bracket had busted perfectly and you just lost by happenstance because of a bad call or you didn't make a couple layups and it was like a one-point game. It's like, no, you caught Texas on a really good night too. They were playing really well, and even if you played your A game, it might not have been better than Texas's A game tonight. Oh, sure, and that Dylan DeSue thing was brutal because they, I like right when I, I turned the game on because I was watching um... – Houston get destroyed by Miami. Um, but, you know, I turned the game on just right as I happened to be turning it on. The announcers were literally saying how Dylan DeSue didn't practice. I forget exactly. said he like didn't practice today or didn't fully practice and that he was limping with his foot. And I was like, oh, man, this is like if this is going to be what like this is just the recipe stars aligning for Xavier to win this game. It felt that way. And then, man, they, like I said, they just, I mean, they came out, just got punched right in the mouth, and it's like, oh, geez, this one's, this one feels over five minutes in almost. I give Texas a lot of credit because DeSue had been awesome recently. I mean, that last game, he carried them on the offensive end. Like, they they lost him and kept playing like nothing happened. Yeah, I know. It's just crazy. And I I forget, you had somebody on, I forget where, you know, you, they, you said they were down six, and it just felt like almost insurmountable right away. It's just kind of a, it kind of felt honestly like that um, that Marquette Big East championship game where, right when that started, it just seemed like it started and the game was just already out of reach right away almost. Yeah, and and uh, to, to reference the Big East tournaments, like I think you would have needed that Creighton semifinals performance if you were going to beat them or maybe the pit performance in the second round, if you played like that, then maybe you have a chance to beat that Texas team, but it would have taken an incredible effort. Oh, Oh, well, sure. And I'm not trying to say, you know, they played 10 times X wins 10 times or anything like that. Oh yeah. It's obviously not, but it's just really, I think, you know, the game plan was there. The recipe was there for sure. And they, I think, I don't know. They just couldn't, the ball just wouldn't go in. That was really frustrating. 
Here's the other part of this. Miami would have been a disaster matchup too for Xavier oh, with well, the way their guards yeah. come downhill at you and the way was, their guards score. Yeah, but I wasn't even thinking about that one. Yeah, yeah. Let's. It was like let, let, let's get there and find out. We'll, we'll take <laughs> yeah. that option. Yeah, yeah. I get it. But, yeah, but that's all I got. Great season. Um, it was just a brutal watch since they the shots were there. They just didn't go in. Yep. All right, Johnny. Appreciate it. All right, let's go to uh, XU fan twenty twenty. Eric, can you hear me? I gotcha. Yeah, so obviously pretty brutal loss. Um, just a couple observations that I've just noticed watching the tournament and Xavier. I don't think progressive fatigue is really a thing for college athletes, but Jack Nunchi is just gassed at this point of the season. You know, I was like checking the stats and going back to February – He's been, like, averaging over 30 minutes a game, I think. And uh, he's just not built for that. I don't know what you think. Well, I, I honestly, I, I don't disagree with you, first of all. Second of all, I feel like Jack has looked like that almost in every game that he's played more than 25 minutes since he's gotten Xavier. I mean, the whole, like, sort of bending over at the hips, got that look on his face like he's been punched 15 times in the gut. Like, uh, he's always just kind of had that look to him at the end of games. I mean, I, I don't think it's changed his performance a whole lot because we've seen games where he looked like that and he still went on to score 20-something points and play really well, even while he had his hands on his hips and he was bent over for the final 12 minutes of the game. And then we've seen games where he, he struggles. And obviously when that happens, everyone blames it on the fact that he was tired. Maybe that's the case. Very well could be. But... I also think he has looked like that pretty much every game that he's played in for Xavier. That's fair. And it kind of, I got the impression that when the game started and he was missing his bunnies and just, I mean, I don't know, but Jack is just prone to occasionally forgetting he's seven feet tall. It seems like, but you know, it seemed like he started pressing after the first couple misses and then he got worn down and it seemed like he was pressing more. I just wish that, you know, you need, it just seemed like Xavier needed one more big out there that could like really provide decent minutes because, I mean, you look down the bench, I mean, Cesar just has such a long way to go. And then Deontay and Elijah Tucker are just unplayable. I mean, it seemed like Xavier just really needed, I think, one more decent contributor. And that's what we, I guess had in Fremantle, but just didn't have available. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about this team being a flawed team, we're talking about their huge deficiencies on the defensive end and their lack of depth. Most notably, I mean, even when they were healthy, once you got past their top seven guys, the drop off was extraordinary. And now once you lost Fremantle, you only had six guys that could really play at all in in a game like this. So yeah, the, the lack of talent, in, in terms of overall depth was a, a huge, huge issue for this team. And it made, it made a big difference once you got into the tournament. We saw that. Yeah. I guess one other point I wanted to make and it just, it'll make, I'm interested to see where Sean goes with this, with the portal. I mean, Isaiah Wong and Nigel pack are just like the guard combo that I just dream about savior yeah. having. I mean, those two, it's, it's like, if Sule is comparable, but I mean, those dudes probably have like 
another 15 to 20 pounds on Sule. So they just don't get owned defensively as easily as he does. But I mean, that's kind of like where I hope Trey Green and I don't know if Claude can be that eventually or if they need one more dynamic score. Like those types of guards or wings will just carry Xavier if they are going to get to the final four to be there the type of guard combo that when they finally break through. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about two guys that can make plays off the bounce that can shoot it from three that have that killer instinct that don't mind taking the big shots. Trey green's going to be that type of player. You know, he's a freshman. We'll see how long it takes him. He'll have that mindset. Uh, he'll, he'll have to prove himself at this level, but he plays that way. Like you could compare him to Nigel pack in some ways They're they're different, but in terms of having that type of score that can also handle the ball and run your team, he can give you that. Um, and then, yeah, whether it's Desmond Claude or someone else that they look to bring in, uh, I, I get what you're saying there. Seeing a backcourt like that, especially when you hear Sean Miller talk about playing the offense, the way he wants to play it with two ball handlers, that watching Miami definitely gives you all the feels in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think everyone else has pretty much touched on what I kind of want to go over. So I'll just let you go for sure. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate all you guys checking in. I think that's a a good place to leave this. We've been going on for a while and this was for a space that like 70% of the respondents on my Twitter poll said they didn't even want to do. So uh, (laughs) I I think this is a good place to leave it. Paul, did you have anything else that you wanted to add from uh, Kansas city here? Yeah. Like a, you know, big thanks to everybody that's followed along all year. And, and I, again, Rick, major 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 props thanks appreciation to you for uh everything you've done this year with uh the rebound rundown you didn't have to go as far out of your way as you did to help me with that and and you were incredible with helping that show grow this year and everybody that listened to it and uh appreciate everybody and you know it's a it's always tough i think with college basketball this finality of it because it's such an adrenaline rush in march and you get down to the end of that stretch run in february and you get into march and it's such an adrenaline rush for three four weeks and then it just ends and it's the longest off season of any sport literally and you're just sitting there thinking to yourself all right now we got seven months until we get to do this all over again and uh you know we will though and 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 you know that the direction of the program is good and you know they they uh they'll be back they'll be back well, it is a long off season for certain, but if you're into Xavier the way most of you are, if you're on here at 2.10 a.m. listening to us do this stupid show on Twitter spaces, then you should sign up to musketeerreport.com because the next two weeks, next two months, it's going to get crazy. I mean, with the transfer portal, then you have the AAU season. April was when coaches are allowed to get back out on the recruiting circuit. This will be Sean's first full recruiting cycle, so... Sign up to musketeerreport.com right now. There's no better time. You'd get the entire offseason and the entire 2023-2024 basketball season with your year subscription if you sign up right now. So be sure to do that. And, Paul, I think I, I speak for everybody listening right now when I say um, – I know I personally have gotten a lot of comments about people enjoying the podcast this year and enjoying these shows. And you are a huge reason that they have enjoyed it and they feel like it's been upgraded. So thank you for doing that. And also the rebound rundown has been a huge part of the basketball season this year for local fans. I listen to it just about every single day. And I know that goes for a lot of people here on this spaces and also 
on the message board. So, so good job with that. Keep on doing it. And uh, you and I will, will keep doing this, right? We'll just go right on to the offseason, continue to talk to Xavier basketball. Rick, you know what I am just looking forward to right now so much? I will say this. Looking forward to a nap, man. I'm yeah, you need it. To a nap. I'm well uh, rested these days. I, I quit doing overnights, and now I'm uh, I'm as spry as can be. But you need it. Yeah. All right. That's it. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, Rick. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah. Thanks everybody for checking in for this final Musketeer Report post game show of the season. The final score from the Sweet Sixteen: Texas eighty three, Xavier seventy one. We'll see you on the Musketeer Report message boards.